please be aware that the comments, views, opinions shared on this podcast are not meant to diagnose a medical problem and or legal problem. If you do have a medical problem or legal problem, kindly contact a professional. Welcome to An Apple A Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of An Apple A Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. Hey, how many of you guys listened to the podcast the other day about sex headaches? It was a good one. And if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to it. It's episode number 2022. It came out last Wednesday. This past Wednesday. Yeah, it was It was good. It was very informative. So, how you feeling, my friends? You feeling good? You feeling strong? You feeling better than you did last week? Have you had any headaches this week? I, I, I hope you're feeling better. I hope you didn't have headaches. But then again, it might be a good thing if you did have a couple of headaches. Who knows? Anyhow, we got a good one for you today. You know... There's so much talk today about this keto diet, and it's supposed to be this miracle diet for everybody. Everybody's dropping weight. You see these ads on TV. Everything's keto this and keto that. Well, we got a quick study on the keto diet, and it unearthed some differences between the sexes in the keto diet. Yes. We also have a study. I got to ask you, when you were a kid, in my house, if you were sick when you were a kid, your mother bring you tea and dry toast. In an Irish household, tea was like a medical miracle. <laughs> if you had if you had a, a an upset stomach, your mother bring you tea and honey and dry toast. If you had a headache, you had tea with honey and dry toast. If you had congestion, you'd get tea with lemon and dry toast. If you just felt under the weather, you'd get tea with milk and sugar and dry toast. Well, you know what? That that might not have been so good. That might not have been such a healthy thing because there's a report from Medical News Today that hot tea may be connected to a cancer risk. So we're going to go over that. All right, before we start, I want to go over a couple of emails I got. The first one is from Jordan in Salt Lake City, Utah. She wrote and told me that she's disabled for nine years I don't know what her disability is, but that's not her problem. Her problem is her husband, who over the course of the nine years has changed jobs seven times. I was like, wow, that's a lot of changing jobs. But um, I wrote her back and I asked if he was changing jobs in the same career or was he changing lines of work? What, What was the deal? And he's staying in the same line of work. He's just changing jobs. He gets bored at one job or he sees the same type of job where he can make more money. So he quits one and goes to the other. And he always has another job to go to. He never quits and doesn't have another job, which is a great thing. I know people that just quit jobs because they're bored or because they don't like the people they work with and they have no other prospects. But this is a good thing. If he's leaving a job, but he has another job lined up, hey, but she's, she's upset because of stability for her and her family. And I told her, I said, at this point here, I said, you can't tell other people how to live their lives. 
You can make your opinions known. Let him know what your opinion is, but you can't tell him how to live his life. In his opinion, he thinks he's doing the right thing, even though you don't agree with it. And just because you don't agree with it doesn't make it wrong. And just because he thinks it's right doesn't make it right. But you can each share your opinions. Make sure there's open communication between the two of you. And just hold on and go for the ride. At least he's not leaving a job with no other prospects. He's leaving a job. He has another job lined up. You know, you, there's other options you can do. You can go to the bank and speak to a counselor at the bank and maybe open up a a small savings account, a no-touch small savings account. If there's a 401k that from the job that he's leaving, don't take it as money that you can go out and spend. Take it, flip it over into the next job. We'll put it into the into that bank account. There's things you can do. Don't stress yourself out over it. As long as you have money coming in and you can pay the rent or your mortgage and you can put food on the table and pay your bills, you're golden right now. Things will work out. Trust me. This second email... I think I'm going to leave it to the end of the podcast because if I go into it now, it's only going to make me uh, upset (laughs) for the rest of the podcast. So stick around towards the end of the podcast. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's one of those moronic things. But all right, let's move on. Uh, Let's get into some of these studies here, okay? I'm sure by now, Unless you live under a rock, you've heard about the keto diet. Everybody and their mothers heard about the keto diet. Even my friend Oscar, he's been on the show once or twice. He's not exactly fat, fat. He's what I call fluffy. (laughs) He's now doing the keto diet. But there's some things about the keto diet that we just don't understand or we just don't know. And I'm telling you, before you start any diet any diet, you should go see a doctor. Whether you're disabled or not, you should go see a doctor before you go on any of these diets, especially these fad diets. But anyway, this is from Medical News Today. This is the keto diet. New study unearths sex differences. Hmm. In recent years, the ketogenic diet has become increasingly popular with people who want to lose weight quickly. A new study asked whether the dietary pattern works as well in females as it does in males. Experts originally designed the ketogenic diet, which people often refer to as the keto diet, as a treatment for epilepsy. Today, people more commonly use it to increase weight loss or to help control their type 2 diabetes. The keto diet allows a liberal consumption of fats and an adequate amount of protein, but heavily reduces the intake of carbohydrates such as starch, sugar, and fiber. Usually the body burns carbohydrates as its primary source of energy. However, if there are none available, it switches to burning stored fats. A part of this process, which is called ketosis, the liver turns fatty acids into molecules called ketone bodies. Keto sex differences. Although there is evidence that the keto diet may offer some benefits for certain people, there is much debate surrounding this diet and its long-term effects. A recent study brings into question whether the keto diet provides the same benefits for females as it does for males. A new study using mouse models focused on sex differences in relation to the keto diet. The researchers who are from the University of Iowa in Iowa City presented their findings at the ENDO 2019 conference in New Orleans, Louisiana. 
Senior Investigator Dr. E. Dale Abel, Ph.D., Chair of the University of Iowa Department of Internal Medicine, explains the issue. Most studies on the ketogenic diet for weight loss have taken place in small numbers of patients or in only male mice. So sex-based differences in response to this diet are unclear. To investigate, Dr. Abel and research assistant Jesse Cochran fed male and female mice either ketogenic diet or a standard diet. The keto diet comprised of 75% fat, 3% carbohydrates, and 8% protein by mass, while the control diet consisted of 7% fat, 47% carbohydrates, and 19% protein. After 15 weeks, the researchers found that the male mice on the keto diet maintained blood glucose control and lost body weight. The female mice, however, gained weight. The female mice also had poorer blood sugar control compared with the female mice that ate the standard diet. According to the authors, they developed impaired glucose tolerance. What's the difference? The researchers believe that the stark difference might be due to at least in part to the primary female sex hormone, estrogen. To investigate, they removed the ovaries of some of the female mice and ran a similar experiment. Doing this changed the results substantially. Compared with the mice who received the controlled diet, female mice without ovaries then consumed a keto diet, showed a decrease in body fat, and they also maintained blood glucose control. In other words, without estrogen, the keto diet worked. Cochrane explained, this finding suggests that postmenopausal women could potentially experience better weight loss outcomes with ketogenic diet compared to younger women. However, this research makes it clear that it is important to speak with a doctor before embarking on the keto diet. This study is one of a few to investigate potential sex differences in the effectiveness of the keto diet. However, The study used an animal model, so scientists will still need to carry out investigations in humans before we can reach any solid conclusions. So there you have it. Like I said before, before you do anything, before you do any kind of diet, make sure you check with your doctor. And I'm for any diet that will help you control your blood sugars. I'm I'm a diabetic. And you know something, you can go to a nutritionalist. You can ask your endocrinologist to set you up with a nutritionalist and they can put you on a diet that will help you control your blood glucose and help you lose weight. Is it the keto diet? I don't know. But you know, any of these diets that promise you're going to lose weight overnight, they're a fad. And usually if you lose weight overnight, you're going to put it back on overnight once you stop the diet. You didn't put the weight on overnight, you're not going to lose it overnight. Remember that. I've struggled with weight problems all my life, really. I was a big kid. I played football, so it, it worked to my advantage then. But as I got older, I just had a slow metabolism, whatever it was. I, I'm not making excuses for it. I was, a, I, I was fat. And the one diet that I found that worked for me was Weight Watchers. Now, I'm not getting paid to promote Weight Watchers, trust me. But that's the one diet that I found that worked for me. i seen all those other diets. Take this pill and you'll, you'll lose weight. It knocks off the fat. I tried this one that's <laughs> this is disgusting. And it was a prescription. It was an actual prescription you had to get. And I told my doctor I wanted to try it. And what it did was it made, you f- made the fats bypass whatever it was, and it told you you might have an oily discharge. (laughs) 
Now, in the commercials, it showed people taking it, then going out to eat and dancing afterwards. Let me tell you something. I don't know how they did that because I took it and I had that oily discharge. <laughs> it was terrible. It was by far the worst thing I ever did, and I would never do it again. And it's the same thing these people that go for these uh, lap bands. You really got to be dedicated to it because you're eating smaller meals. And you have to really watch yourself. You know, there's no miracle to losing weight. You know what the miracle is? Willpower. You have to modify your diet. There's no magic pill. There's no magic wand that's going to take the weight off you. It's willpower and behavior modification. That's how you lose weight. All right? One other thing. Be prepared because as disabled people, we do put on weight. Simply because we end up with a sedentary lifestyle. We can't exercise the way we used to. But on the flip side of that, we can watch what we eat. That's important. And if you talk to your doctor, talk to your primary care doctor even, they can set you up with a diet or they can set you up with a nutritionalist just like your endocrinologist can if you're a diabetic. And just watch what you eat. You don't have to turn into a two-ton Galinda. I did that. I did that when I first when I first was hurt, when I was first home. I didn't walk for a year because of surgeries. And every time someone came to visit me, they brought me a chocolate shake. They brought me chocolate donuts. And I thought that was the greatest thing since iced tea until I stood up and none of my clothes fit. I went from being 217 pounds to being 360, 370 pounds. At my worst, I was 380 pounds. Yeah, I lost 120 pounds with Weight Watchers. So that's why I'm talking about Weight Watchers. Like I said, I'm not getting paid to promote them, but they worked for me. What, what, what worked for me may not work for you. What works for you may not work for me. But whatever works, do it. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about esophageal cancer risk and T, believe it or not. So we'll be back in 30 seconds. I'll see you on the other side. An Apple Today is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. FamousApple.com is the home site for this podcast. And there you're going to find connections to our Facebook page, our Twitter page. You're going to find connections to our private chat board, our private chat rooms. You're also going to find that we're sponsored now by As Seen on TV. And there's a lot of products displayed on the page for you to check out. So you get a minute, go over there, check out www.famousapple.com. Tell your friends about us. But don't go until we finish the conversation. Let's get back to it. And we're back. That wasn't too long, huh? Did you miss me? I missed you. <laughs> hey, this is another good study. And, well, for two reasons for me. Number one, I lost someone very close to me to esophageal cancer. And number two, I enjoy drinking hot beverages. And although this is about tea, I do drink hot coffee. Now, this is from Medical News Today, and the title of the study is Hot Tea May Raise Esophageal Cancer Risk. It says, new research appearing in the International Journal of Cancer finds an association between drinking tea at very high temperatures and the risk of developing esophageal cancer. According to the American Cancer Society in 2019, there will be approximately 17,650 new cases of esophageal cancer, 
and over 16,000 people will die from it. In terms of a person's outlook, the society estimate that approximately 20% of the people with esophageal cancer go on to live for about five years after the diagnosis. Numerous factors may raise a person's risk of developing cancer of the esophagus. These include being older than 55, being male, having acid reflux, or eating a diet high in processed meats and low in fruits and vegetables. Some researchers have suggested that regularly drinking very hot liquids may also raise the risk of esophageal cancer. However, most of these studies have asked participants to remember and estimate how much tea they drank and at what temperatures. Su such an approach may have biased the results, namely, when participants have to estimate something in retrospect, recall bias may affect their answers. So a new study aimed to rectify this by measuring tea drinking temperatures objectively, for example, in a way that did not depend on a person's memory, feelings, or opinions. Researchers led by Dr. Islami, the Strategic Director of Cancer Surveillance Research at the American Cancer Society, also wanted to study tea drinking habits prospectively rather than retroactively. Very hot tea may raise the risk by 90%. Dr. Islami and his colleagues used data on over 50,000 people included in the Golestan Cohort Study, a population-based perspective study, who were 40 to 75 years old at baseline. The researchers clinically followed the participants for an average period of 10.1 years between 2004 and 2017. During this time, 317 people developed esophageal cancer. The researchers divided the tea temperatures into very hot, meaning the temperature of over 60 degrees Celsius, and cold or lukewarm, that is a temperature that is or falls below 60 degrees Celsius. In their analysis, the researchers also considered a reported shorter time from pouring tea to drinking it. That is, on a scale of between 2 and 6 minutes wait, as well as reported preference for very hot tea drinking. Overall, the study found that drinking 700 milliliters of very hot tea per day increased the chances of esophageal cancer by 90% compared to drinking the same daily amount of drinking cold or lukewarm tea. Our results substantially strengthen the existing evidence supporting an association between hot beverage drinking and esophageal cancer risk, concluded the researchers. Dr. Islami and colleagues continue, it may thus be a reasonable public health measure to extrapolate that these results to all types of beverages and to advise the public to wait for beverages to cool to lower than 60 degrees Celsius before consumption. Many people enjoy drinking tea, coffee, and other hot beverages. However, according to our report, drinking very hot tea can increase the risk of esophageal cancer, and it is therefore advisable to wait until the hot beverages cool down before drinking. The authors caution that science will need to do more research to understand the mechanisms behind this association. Well, I have to say, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I wonder now, have you ever taken a bite of something that was so hot, like a a slice of pizza that was so hot that, I mean, it burnt the roof of your mouth. You had skin hanging off the top of your mouth. Or you swallowed it, and you couldn't grab a bottle of water quick enough to, to, 
cool it down. I wonder if that has the same effect. I'm going to have to look into that. And just if, in case you're wondering, I share these reports with you because like the, the title of the podcast says, living a healthy and happy life with a disability. So I want you to be aware of things that are out there. You know what I mean? Okay, let's move on here. Remember at the beginning of the podcast, I told you there was two emails. One was from Jordan from Salt Lake City in Utah. Well, the second one's from Tyler in Center City by Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And he started off his email calling me a not-so-nice name and told me that he was a proud African-American. Good for you, Tyler. And then he proceeded to go into a racist rant and wanted to know why I only speak about white people on this podcast. I didn't know I was talking about color. I thought I was talking about people here. But let me tell you this, Tyler. You may be a proud African-American, and that's good for you. Me, personally, I'm a proud American. And when I turn on the microphone and I start talking... I'm not talking to colors. I'm not talking to nationalities. I'm not talking to ethnicities. I'm talking to people that I consider friends. I don't look to see if you're green, white, purple, or yellow. I don't care if you're a Martian. I'm talking to friends that are listening. So if you have to differentiate yourself from everybody else and say, you're a proud African-American, good for you. I'm an American, okay? I don't have to tell people I'm an Irish-American, Italian-American. I'm American, and I'm proud of it. I'm damn proud of it. As far as being a racist, you can stick that up your ass, Tyler. How do you like that, okay? There's not a racist thing about me, and I pride myself on that. I have friends from all over the world that listen to this podcast, and I'm proud of every one of them. I'm talking to people that are all in the same boat as myself. We're all disabled. I don't know what your problem is. You don't like the fact that you have to go on disability and you're not getting enough money from a racist government? Then don't collect it. Give it back. Why would you take it if you think the government is racist? Give it back. You think the president is racist? Give it back. Why would you why would you participate with a racist government? Why would you write to me about a racist government? It has nothing to do with what we're doing here. Or is it that you want to call me a racist? If that's the case, good. Did you get it out of your system, moron? I'm sorry. I have no tolerance for people that see racism at every turn of a corner. There's real instances of racism out there. There's no doubt about it. And it's against everybody. It's not just against black folks. It's, a, it's white white people, Latino people, Asian people. Everyone experiences racism somewhere. But this guy here, this is the guy, this is the type of guy that would go and he'd be in McDonald's or something. They'd be out of napkins. They'd have to bring up more napkins. He'd call it racism. This is the type of guy to get stuck at a red light and call it racism. This is the guy to get pulled over by a cop for speeding and call the cops racism. Or racist, rather. I have no tolerance for a person like this. You know who the real racist is here? It's Tyler. The people that see racism at every turn of a corner are the real racists. Tyler, take care of yourself, my friend. Be well. Listen, thanks a lot, everybody, for stopping by today. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We're supposed to have some really great weather this weekend. And I will talk to you at the beginning of next week. You've been listening to An Apple a Day. And I want you to remember one thing. If nothing else, things can always be worse. That's right. Right now, somewhere, someone is striving to be where you're at. 
So things can always be worse, my friend. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you in the early part of next week. This is Jimmy Apple. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.